Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. Get your Bibles out and turn to Mark 1 for me. Mark 1. We're going to continue on with our series. But while you're turning there, I want to just let you know, you saw it on the screen. Uh, you'll see and hear more about it between now and the time it happens. But we, are, we have the honor and privilege of hosting March 17th, 18th, and 19th, uh, an All Faiths Crusade is the title of it. And Pastor Hagen... Kenneth Hagel and Miss Lynette, they travel all over the country, actually all over the world, and host these crusades. And he called me in October and asked if we would, we would do that. And I said, yes. And he said, well, you want to check your calendar? And I said, no. <laughs> I said, you tell me when you want to come, and it is our honor to host it. And so I want to encourage you guys, mark your date now, March 17th, that's the evening, we'll have a regular Sunday service, and the Sunday night, Monday morning, Monday night, Tuesday morning, Tuesday night, it's a crusade. You've never been to a crusade, you need to. And so Pastor Hagen has this strong gift and anointing on his life to just preach and proclaim the good news. Tuesday night's healing night, so anybody and everybody, that when you bring the sick, you bring people, we believe in that, amen, God's a miracle working God, and he says, lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Miss Lynette teaches in the morning on prayer and intercession. She has such a gift, and we spend time doing that. You do not want to miss it. And so here's one of the reasons why it's so special and important to me. Um, I'm a Rama Bible College graduate, and they're the head of all the organization. My parents, the founders of this church, were Rama Bible graduates. Pastor Jeff, pastors our sister church, Rama Bible graduate. We have many on staff, I have many on staff in here in the congregation. It's part of our heritage, part of who we are, that word of faith, amen, that strong word of faith, and then also the, uh, the person and relationship of the Holy Spirit. And so I want to encourage you guys to come out and be a part of that. Pastor Hagen's my spiritual dad, my spiritual father. In fact, this morning, I got a text from him. Uh, just a, 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 He does every Sunday as a word of encouragement, and here's what he said. I want you to hear it. He says, have a great Sunday. Remember, we live by faith, not great spiritual experiences. And I thought that was such a powerful statement that we are people of faith, Amen. We don't go from moment to moment, crisis to crisis. That is our life. That is how we live, how we walk. And so you want to come out and be a part of that. Again, you'll hear more about that for sure. So super excited. All right, are you already there? Mark 1, 1, 1 through 13. Well, we're in a series entitled Forward. I'll, I'll save all the review because um, I've just a lot of things, announcements. I want to get into the message. And you can go back and look and listen to any of the messages you've missed. I would encourage you to if you've missed an installment. And let me say this before we go any further. The next two weeks... It's going to be the best yet. The best is yet to come. And I say that because my wife and I, we get on the, on the plane with the team to go to India. But next Sunday, Pastor Cody, who was actually playing drums this morning, he's going to be bringing the word next week. And the following week, Pastor Dave is going to bring the word on the tent. So come on out, guys. We have a deep bench. You know what I'm talking about. We have a deep bench here at Tree Alive. And so they're going to do an amazing job. Come and pull on the gift. Encourage, support them, invite people out. It's going to be amazing. But today what's on my heart is this. It, it, it was great to get that text from Pastor Hagen this morning. So we're talking about moving forward, moving forward in life. But we move forward in faith. And so there's a lot of obstacles that come our way to keep us from doing and fulfilling what God has for us as we're on this journey. And, and it's a walk of faith. And each step we take, believing, trusting God. And so today as we look at Mark, and I love the book of Mark, we're going to talk about moving forward in faith. Week one, we talked about not being stuck in our past. Week two, we talked about closing the gap between Jesus and ourselves. And, and last week, we uh, talked about opening the door. Now we're going to move forward in faith. And so let's start here. Mark 1. Mark 1, 1, and give me just a moment, I'm going to read 1 through 13, and then we're going to break it down. So here we go, the beginning of the good news. Now, understand real quick, Mark is writing about Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Gospels talk about the story of Jesus, but the other Gospels begin with his birth, 
Mark is beginning with the beginning of his ministry, or let's say the birth of his ministry. So he's already been on the planet 30 years. So the beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare the way. He's talking, we'll see who he's talking about in a second. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight the paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River, which is what we're going to see today, people being baptized, amen, as a sign of the inward work, an outward sign of the work and forgiveness that Jesus purchased on the cross, his death, burial, and resurrection. Super excited about that today. John wore clothing. This is funny to me. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. Okay, that's nice. That's kind of cool. And so, and this was the message. Uh, After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I'm not even worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth. It's interesting. They talk about this town he came from. Talk about that in a minute. In Galilee, the Galilee area, and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up, say coming up. Just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit, Holy Spirit, descending like a dove on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven and said, you are my son in whom I love and with you I am well pleased. At once the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness and he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. He was with wild animals. Again, that's just kind of funny, I think, throw in there. And angels attended him. So let's talk about this for a second. I love the book of Mark because Mark really, he's a writer, but I believe he's a painter. I mean, I believe when you read Mark, Mark is not just giving an explanation about faith, he's giving demonstration about faith, amen? He's talking about the action of faith, so he's painting these amazing pictures for us, so we're not just getting getting just the word, we're getting the action and what that brings, because faith without works is dead. And so Mark is helping us see through these stories that we've been studying how faith works and what we need to be doing. Mark would rather, rather you and I see a demonstration of God's power rather than just an explanation. And so he was showing us faith, not just telling us how faith works. It is faith without works is dead. So when we read this passage of scripture, we see Jesus on the very verge, right at the beginning of starting his earthly ministry. And so we see in the midst of that, God do something amazing. And so let's take a look at Mark 1, 9 again. Let me read that again through 11. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth and Galilee, was baptized by John. Just as Jesus was coming up, we already said that, out of the water, he saw heaven being opened, the spirit descending on like a dove, and a voice from heaven calling, saying, you are my son whom I love, and I am well pleased. Notice before Jesus begins his earthly mission and ministry, God validates him. He says, you are my son whom I love, and in you I am well pleased. Now, when you, when you read this gospel account, when they talk about Jesus, it says Jesus of Nazareth in the Galilee region. That's funny to me. We talked a few weeks ago about what that meant, and it really did mean something important. Not that that place was important, but I think it's an important point, because it's, it's interesting that they point out, Mark points out that he's from Nazareth, because in that day, Nazareth had a, just a, a bad a bad image, and everybody would comment on Nazareth. In fact, it was the no-name place with no-name people. And Nathaniel, even one of the disciples Jesus would call later, when Philip was trying to get him to come follow Jesus, Nathaniel said, wait a minute, where is he from? And Philip said, Nazareth. And he goes, what good can come out of Nazareth? 
And I love that God begins Jesus' ministry by saying that because he's letting us know it doesn't matter if you feel like you're a no-name person from a no-name place. God has amazing things for your life. Amen? God has a great purpose. People who come from, uh, Nazareth was a place of obscurity, but think about God in heaven sending his son to a place of obscurity with no-name people in a no-name place, showing you and I that God can use anyone and everyone, and he's got something of value and significance for all of us. I love that. There's no detail that's insignificant in the story. So Nazareth was a no-name place with no-name people, but yet it's what God chose to bring the savior of the world from. And so God can, God can do anything, even with people from Nazareth, if you will. And so God has a great purpose for all our lives. And we would think that maybe Jesus would come from Jerusalem. I mean, that really, that would make sense. I mean, yeah, Jesus, Jerusalem's kind of the headquarters of the religious belief of the day. Jesus would come, and Jesus coming from Jerusalem where the temple is. Or maybe you would think he'd be coming from Rome, something amazing like that. But the Bible says he came from a no-name place where there's no-name people that was felt by everybody to be of insignificance. And I love what God wants to do and show in through all of us through that illustration. Can I say this? Because the reality is some of us are in a Nazareth right now. In fact, let's just be honest. Most of us are probably, if we would say it this way in life, we're all from Nazareth. We're really in the scope of life. We're all no-name people from no-name places, but that's exactly who God wants to work through. That's exactly who God wants to use. And so maybe you feel like that right now, and you would wonder, just as those people wondered, what good can come from Nazareth? Can anything good come from Nazareth? Can anything good, it might sound like this to you, can anything good come from brokenness? Can anything good come from rejection? Can anything good come from a lost job? Can anything good come from broken relationships? Can anything good come out of my singleness? Can anything good come out of my divorce? Can anything good come out of my loss? Can anything good come out of my diagnosis? Can anything good come out of my teenager? Can anything good come out of my situation? I just tried to roll right over that because minor in church. Uh, so, but if I keep going, I'll hit all of us eventually, right? Can anything good come from me? I want you to know today, absolutely. Because God takes the most unlikely people from the most unlikely places and fulfills the greatest of purpose. Can anything good come from Nazareth? And I love that song we sang today, so I wrote it this way. Yes, new wine can come from dead vines. And I love what God will do in and through us, but we have to understand that we may not understand it or see it, but we gotta believe it and believe who he is. See, Jesus came from Nazareth and he was baptized by John, and that was strange because baptism, he was a baptism of repentance. Jesus had nothing to repent of. He had committed no sin. He was the perfect sacrifice, and yet John is bewildered like we would be seeing Jesus come to be baptized, and John's got like, wait a minute, this is for repentance, and you are the perfect one, the Lamb of God, and so there's a little exchange there from John and Jesus, and John is wondering, why are you here? Jesus was heading on his way to his mission. He was moving forward to what God had for him, and Mark tells us that Jesus came to be baptized, but Matthew tells us a little bit more of the detail Again, there's four gospel accounts of the story. Let's take a look at what Matthew says real quick in Matthew 3, 13 through 15. It says, and Jesus came from Galilee, he didn't even mention Nazareth, Mark did, to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him saying, I need to be baptized by you and you come to me. Jesus replied, let it be so now, let's do this. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. And then John consented. Jesus basically said, this has to be done. 
This is what God wants to be done to fulfill all righteousness. Or in other words, this is God's plan. So Jesus being baptized, it wasn't because he was a man that had sin in his life and needed the baptism of repentance. Jesus said, this must be done. So therefore, this was an act of obedience. Jesus was obeying what God had said in his word and what God had for him. So Jesus is walking out an act of obedience and that's significant in so many ways. We'll talk about it, but I'm not sure there's a more unpopular word in our language today than obedience. Come on, parents of teenagers, everybody should have piped up right there and said, amen, brother, let me tell you, that's right. That's, that is unpopular in my house for sure, right? We live in a world that says, hey, do what you want to do. You don't have to listen to anybody. You make the rules. You, you, you do what you feel like you need to do or want to do. Obedience has less and less value in our culture today, and it's replaced with individualism or selfishness or whatever you want to say. And so Jesus says this, I have to obey. I have to do this in obedience. See, Jesus' power was in his submission to his father. The power that Jesus walked in was in his obedience to his father. And, and thank you for a parent piping up right there because I'm telling all the teenagers right here right now, your power is found in your obedience or submission to your parents. Oh, come on, first service is a smaller crowd and they were out shouting you right there. I'm just like, maybe all the parents are in first service. I don't know, but still, here we go, all right. So John, so Jesus says it doesn't, and so for John it didn't make sense, but Jesus like, it doesn't have to make sense. It's written, so it needs to be accomplished and fulfilled. And so can I say, it's not gonna all make sense to you. It doesn't have to make sense to you. It's written by God, therefore it needs to be fulfilled. And your obedience is so significant, on, so significant on your journey. And a lot of times a hindrance or barrier to us moving forward is not the enemy, is not other people, it's your lack of obedience, if I could say it. I was gonna say your disobedience, but I don't wanna sound hard. <laughs> That's our lack of obedience. So John baptizes Jesus, and look what it says in verse 10 says this in verse 10. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water in obedience, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit, capital S, Holy Spirit, Spirit of God, descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven and says, you are my son in whom I love, you are well pleased. A voice, I mean, heaven opened up, a dove descends. Now understand in the scripture that the dove symbolizes a couple things. The one that we know probably more than any is the dove symbolizes peace. We see that used today. Dove symbolizes peace. And for us also, as we study the scripture, the dove coming down, capital S, symbolized the Holy Spirit or power. So understand what Jesus' obedience did. It opened up heaven and unlocked peace and power. See, here's the thing we need to know, church, that your obedience unlocks peace and power in your life for what God has for you, and you'll need it on your journey to move forward. But here's what we want in our humanity. We want peace and power to come before obedience, but it doesn't work that way because that's not faith. Faith says, I don't understand it, I don't see it, and I don't feel it, and I sure don't have a peace about it, and I don't know if I have the power to fulfill it, but at your word, I will obey, and my obedience then releases the peace and power of God in my life. Peace and power follow obedience. Obedience does not follow peace and power because it's not faith then. It's not walking out with this thing that you're just completely trusting God in the things that you don't understand. And this is the difference for many of us. We have to understand that obedience comes before the peace and power of God. So God in verse 11, we saw that validates the sonship of Jesus Christ also. 
This is a different validation. This is a different wording than many chapters later when Jesus was on top of the Mount of Transfiguration and he take Peter, James, and John up to the mountaintop Heaven opens up and he's standing before two prophets and and all of a sudden uh, a voice from heaven says to everybody else, this is my son, listen to him. But in this chapter, heaven opens up and God says, you are my my son. Do you see the difference? God personally is speaking to Jesus right here and in the other chapter, he's speaking the voice from heaven, speaking to everybody else to listen to him. But he's validating Jesus. He says, you are my son, I love you and in you I am well pleased. So God personalizes it and says you. This is a direct validation of Jesus and it came in this moment as well, in this experience. You know what makes me wanna do? It makes me wanna get baptized again today, can I tell you, right, come on. I want heaven to open up in the peace and power of God. I want to feel and hear the love of Jesus based on my decision to obey him, acknowledge the plan and purpose he has for my life. I love that. But notice what's happened yet before Jesus does any, any miracles. Jesus hadn't performed one miracle yet. He has not opened one blind eye. He has not healed any leprosy. He has not, he has not been in a, a meeting that was packed out and people tore the roof open to lower a friend and he's not healed that guy. He's not done any of that. So Jesus before, I mean, God before any of this happens, heaven opens up, the power and peace of God fall because of Jesus' obedience, and there's a validation spoken as well. Here's my point, before he ever performs his first miracle, the heavenly Father spoke a word of validation. See, here's what you need to know. Your validation from God is not based on your performance. Now, God validates different than the world because the world validates on performance, doesn't it? I will accept you, I will love you if you do this and do this for me. But God says, I love you not because of what you do, I love you because of who you are. He validated Jesus, listen, so Jesus is beginning to start his earthly ministry. In other words, he's on mission, he's moving forward. First thing God says is be obedient and answer, I will do what you want me to do, God. So he goes to the water, comes out because of his obedience or because of what he did, the power and peace of God fell, but it wasn't a validation because of what he did, the validation was because of who he is. I love you. God's not going to love you any more today than he did already. He's not going to love you tomorrow. No matter what you do, good or bad, he loves you the most he can possibly love you, and it's never based on anything you can do or not do. The world validates differently, but God validates not what you do, but who you are. God does not validate based on performance. He validates based on relationship. So he didn't validate Jesus based on what he would do. He validated him based on who he was. And just in case you don't know or didn't know, or just in case maybe that you've forgotten, you're still a child of God. You are still a child of God. You need to know you're still a child of God. You need to know that you are made in his image. You need to know that you are bought by his blood and God will never love you any more than he loves you right now. Amen. You are loved right now. You are accepted right now. You are his child right now. You are freed right now. And Jesus didn't perform his ministry for acceptance. And here's the thing. See, Jesus didn't perform his ministry to get validated by God. Jesus performed his ministry because he was validated by God. See, here's the thing. When someone really important or more important than you validates you, you don't care what anybody else says. You don't care what anybody else does. 
I mean, I, I'm going to say this, and don't take this wrong. It's the only way I know how to illustrate this. I love it. Thank you so much for those that, when you catch me in the gathering place or whatever after service in the main lobby, you know, saying, man, that was a great message. That was wonderful. And in my humanity, I enjoy that. I do. And so I'll get on, I'll get on Instagram because I don't Facebook because it's of the devil. But I'll get on Instagram, and I'll, look, and I'll see people posting things, and that's great. And those things are great and wonderful. But let me tell you what does it for me. When I get in the car and go home, and my wife looks at me and says, honey, you did a great job. It doesn't matter what anybody else says at that point. Can I tell you, I don't mean that, that, that it doesn't matter what you, know, what you feel or whatever, but when somebody knows you and loves you no matter what and they're validating you, it doesn't matter what anybody else says and, and God speaks from heaven to all of us and he says, I love you not because of what you do but because of who you are, so don't worry what anybody else thinks. Move forward in mission and your obedience releases my peace and power and don't get caught up in trying to prove, get approval for man and man's acceptance. It's just a trap of the devil. It's a trap of the devil. It's so important that we receive the validation of God. Really, honestly, we remind ourselves every day because if we don't remind ourselves every day of the validation of God, we will need from people what they are not capable of giving us. And a voice came, and it came before he performed any miracles. Mark 1, 9 through 10. Again, it says this, at that time, Jesus came from Nazareth, in Galilee, was baptized by John of the Jordan just as Jesus was coming up. I love that. And his obedience coming up out of the water. He saw heaven being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. He was doing what he was supposed to be doing. So therefore, he had a vision. He had power and peace. The Bible says the peace that comes from God is a peace that passes all understanding. And it comes to guard your heart and your mind. And the power of the Holy Spirit powers to enable us to do things beyond the natural, but to operate in the supernatural, which is what we all need for life. And he was coming up and these things happen. So often we want the power and peace to come before our obedience. But understand that Jesus had to go down to the Jordan River. He had to wade out in the water, all the way out in the water. And can I tell you, we were there in November doing baptism and that's the coldest water I've ever been in in my life. And it's dirty, nasty, muddy water. So Jesus went down and had to do that. And then after he came up, then the dove descended. Here's the thing. The dove didn't come down all of a sudden. Jesus walking down by the Jordan and the dove landed in a tree, lit in a tree, landed there by Jesus and spoke to Jesus all of a sudden and says, hey, you got this, Jesus. Go ahead and go out there and get baptized. No worries. <laughs> the dove didn't come down and speak to Jesus first and encourage him about getting in the water and being obedient. Everything that came from God happened after his obedience. And so let's, I, I'm over and over on that because I want us to understand peace comes after obedience. We want God to give us peace about something we need to do, but understand it comes after obedience. And some of us probably, if we're completely honest, some of the things and the reasons why we are wrestling with peace right now or we don't have peace in our life, it's because we're waiting for something to come after. I mean, something to come before that only comes after. That word that God has spoken, how many of the things have God shown us or spoken to us in his word? that we're waiting to do from some sign or some feeling, and Christians are the worst at this. And I've, teach, I've taught this wrong, I've taught this, I've lived this wrong at times, where I've waited to be led of the Lord in something where God's waiting for me to step out in faith because I've already seen it in his word and I have to trust him. But faith says peace comes after the action, not before. And it's not in my power, power comes, I step out in faith of God's power and who he is. See, it was as he said yes to the will of his father. It was as he said yes to fulfilling his purpose. Then he saw heaven open and he heard the voice of his father. Peace comes after obedience. I love the story of the baptism 
Again, today, it's baptism today. It makes me want to get in line and be a part of that. And I want to say this, stop waiting for peace that only comes after obedience. The love of God did not come before Jesus obeyed. The love did, the, the peace did not come before Jesus obeyed. So let me say it this way. The peace comes after you give. The peace comes after you tithe. The peace comes after you sign up and serve or after you put yourself in a position to serve somebody else. Then the peace comes. The peace comes after you get in a group and connect with other people. The peace comes after you pray for somebody. The peace comes when you step out and share the love of Jesus with somebody afterwards, not before. The power of God comes in the moment when you're, you're stepping out in faith and obedience to God. Let's not wait. Let's be obedient and step out and allow the peace and power of God to come because of our act of faith. And our faith is not based on Anything that we do, our faith is based on what he can do. Let me say about this, the love piece is so important to you and I, the validation that God gave, not based on performance because of who you are, but faith for you and I is not based on how much we love God, it's based on how much God loves us. And that never changes. But our love for God might change, it's based on our actions, isn't it? I love you, so I'm gonna show you in faith. And so we have to understand how this principle works for you and I. Peace comes after obedience. Mark 1, 12 through 13. At once the Spirit sent him out. The same Spirit, the same, that same, same sweet little dove that came to land and just said, Jesus, give him peace and power. That same Spirit came and led him out into the wilderness. Sent him out into the wilderness. What did it do? It just sent him on his journey. The journey took him through the wilderness. Can I tell you, after the water, you will experience the wilderness. Because there's a real enemy out there that does not want you to fulfill the things of God. There's a real devil out there that wants to keep you bound up in fear, wants to keep you bound up in a lack of faith, wants to keep you waiting on the other side of the Jordan. But you gotta get wet, you gotta get cold, you gotta get dirty, you gotta get muddy, and then God comes and moves and works. So on your journey, after the water, there is a wilderness that awaits you because the enemy doesn't want you to fulfill what God has. But understand this, God will take you through it. He's not gonna take you around it. He's not gonna take you over, under. He's gonna take you right through, why? Because he knows that he has the power imparted into you and he knows that he loves you, he'll take care of you, but you need to know that. And so so once to sent him out in the wilderness on his way, now he's on his way to begin his ministry and he's in the wilderness and he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by the Satan and the wild animals were there and the angels attended him. Now, Mark 13, notice this in Mark 13, keep it up there, it says, and the angels attended him. Notice that in the wilderness, the angels didn't protect him. They attended him. When his time was over, they were there for him. They came to take care of him after 40 days. Now Luke tells us more about the 40 days than Mark does. Mark just gives us that little bit you just saw, but Luke tells us about the temptations. He was tempted by the devil. The devil tempts Jesus. He says, if you're hungry, because he'd been fasting for 40 days, if you're hungry, turn these stones into bread. And Jesus said, I don't need it. I live by every word of God. Then he took Jesus up to the top, the highest place, the Bible says, and shows Jesus all the kingdoms and says, all these kingdoms are mine. I'll give them to you if you bow down and worship me. And Jesus said, I'll worship God and serve God only. And the devil took him top of the, the temple and said, throw yourself down. The angels won't let you hurt yourself. They'll come and get you. And Jesus said, don't tempt God. In other words, the devil tempted Jesus. And can I say this? After we come out of the water on our forward journey to our our mission, if you will, the greatest temptation I believe to man is this idea of getting acceptance from somebody else. Because this is basically what the devil is trying to do. I'll accept you and validate you. I'll give you all this if you do this. I'll do this if you do that. 
Our greatest temptation a lot of times, our greatest obstacle to moving forward in faith is acceptance and validation for somebody else. That's why God already validated Jesus. So when Jesus goes out into the wilderness and the peace and power of God and through his obedience and the validation that he had from God, when the devil says, make these stones turn to bread and then you'll have what you need and want, the devil says, I don't have to perform any tricks to please you, devil. I already ate. I'm already full. What is he saying? I don't need your acceptance and validation. I'm full of acceptance and validation from my God, my heavenly Father. And he says this, I'm not gonna bow down because I don't need your, why would I bow down to somebody that's already under my feet? I'm full, I'm filled up. But we go into that wilderness hungry. Not physically hungry, we go in there because we maybe have forgotten about that which only can fill us and that is the validation and acceptance of God. Therefore, we don't have to seek it from somebody else. So we can move forward in faith. Obedience, the peace and power of God, validation, we don't have to prove it to anybody. We don't need it from anybody else. My acceptance, my validation comes from God. I'm full. The devil kept saying, prove it, throw yourself off the temple, bow down and worship me. See, obedience brings peace, but validation and acceptance brings faith. Our faith is in God, again, not based on how much we love God or what we can do for him, but based on how much he loves us. I've already been validated in the water, so I don't have to prove anything in the wilderness. I've already been validated in the water, so I don't have to prove anything in the wilderness. We don't have to bow down to the one who's already under our feet. And then the Bible said, and then, say and then, and then the angels came. And then the angels came, not before the temptation, afterward. Because if you're walking out in obedience to God, in faith and obedience to God, he gives you the peace and the power. And then if you understand and remind in the midst of the wilderness, the validation acceptance from God is already there, so keep moving. Then the angels come. I'm gonna say this, and this is for me, you, a number of people. Your angel's on the way. For those of you who feel like you're in the wilderness today, your angel's on the way. For those of you who feel like you're broken and nothing good, nothing good can come from my life. Nothing good can come from this situation. I feel like I've been wandering in the wilderness my whole life. I feel like I'm alone. I'm by myself. I don't think I can take the pressing. I don't think I can take the crushing. Can I tell you, your angel's already on the way. The angel's on the way. Your angel's already on the way. Don't quit. Don't give up. Remember what you heard in the water. Remember what you heard in the water. This is my child. I am well pleased. This is my son. This is my daughter. I have a purpose for you. Don't you doubt in the wilderness what God showed you in the water. Your angel is on the way. 1 Peter 5.10 says this. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ. Listen to this. After you're on your journey, after you're in the wilderness, after you face the crushing, after you face the pressing, I've given you my peace and my power. I've given you my love. After, let those things shape you. Let those things, I'm not leaving you. I'm there with you. I love you. It's not based on anything but who you are. After you've suffered a little while, himself will restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. The peace and power of God is still yours. God still loves you. And even though you find yourself in the wilderness, hold on to that. Move forward in faith. 
Your angel's already on the way, because here's why. On the other side, when you came out, what happened when Jesus came out of the wilderness? What happened when he came out of that place? He began his ministry, and miracles happened. Miracles happen after this. You'll go, I say it this way, you go from water to wilderness to new wine, amen? You go from water to wilderness to wine. You go from water in obedience to wilderness where you uh, hold on to the validation and acceptance of God and then that pressing and that crushing new wine, new power, new life, new strength, new ability comes out of you to fulfill the mission God has for you. And then Jesus embarked on the greatest ministry ever known to man. And he came out of that place. I love the water to wine story, but can I tell you, I'll read it different because I'll always match these two passages. Because I know that God miraculously changed the water to wine, but we understand the process and the natural. It is you take the grapes and you crush them and you squeeze them and then you have new wine, water to wine. There's usually for you and I, there's a wilderness experience in there, but don't lose faith. Don't lose hope. Your obedience will release the power and peace of God in your life. And then remind yourself, remind yourself, please remind yourself, especially in the wilderness, that God already loved you. He already accepted you. So you have to prove nothing to no one. And then when you come out of that place, out of that crushing, out of that pressing, the new wine that comes from that moment and God releases that into your life to fulfill the plan and purpose he has for you, water to wilderness to wine, new wine. All I know to do, I'd like the the band to go ahead and come out. All I know to do, we find ourselves in the wilderness and we know that there's challenges and struggles, but hold on to what you heard in the water. Hold on to what you heard in the water. All I know to do is to worship in the wilderness. We worship not because of what we feel. We worship not because of what we see. We worship because of whose we are. Our worship, our worship is is our walking in. Our worship is embracing. Our worship is acknowledging the validation and the love of God. In the midst of the pressing and the crushing, I will still love you because you love me first. In the midst of this In the midst of this temptation to try and do something that's not pleasing to you, to please and appease man, I choose you. In the midst of this, I don't see the end. I don't know how it's going to turn out. In the midst of this, this Nazareth that I come from, how can anything good come from my wilderness experience? It can because God loves you no matter what, because he's released his peace and power in your life. And if you, in the midst of your wilderness, will just worship him, new wine will come forth in your life. New wine will come in your situation, and you'll move forward in faith in the power and purpose of God. Let's all stand to our feet. In the midst of our wilderness right now, in the midst of our wilderness right now, Right now, let's worship God for a moment. Let's remind ourselves that in the midst of the pressing and the crushing and the crushing and the pressing, God still loves us and he will never leave us or forsake us and he will use this time, this season in our life to turn out and produce something new, something good, something powerful. Amen? We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas, or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.